Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. You are here with Adrian Hernandez of MileHighHockey.com. I am joined by Jack, Evan, and Ezra. We are here to talk Colorado Avalanche hockey stretch off of an Avalanche comeback victory over the Calgary Flames. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're tuning in right now, please like, subscribe, and share with fellow Avalanche fans and hockey fans all around. You'll be doing us a solid. We have lots and lots to talk about today. Um, some some uh, Miko Rantanen comments in the post game yesterday. Uh, we're going to cover a little bit of what is to be ahead with the Buffalo Sabers and Eric Johnson coming back to Ball Arena and Town. And we're going to preview a couple of the other games coming up this week that uh, we haven't we won't have a chance to get to otherwise. And of course, as usual, we will rehash our bold predictions and see who was smart and who was dumb. Um, and usually, we're all kind of dumb. Uh, but that's why they call them bold predictions, baby. Let's get right into it with the Mile High Hockey Lab. Um, you know, as I previously mentioned, I was coming off a pretty big victory. I was kind of getting ready to write an article that would have said something to the effect of what the hell is going on in Colorado. Had the Avalanche not come back to win that game. Uh, but before we go there, let's talk about the Condor and his return to Colorado Avalanche territory, Ball Arena, tomorrow night. And Evan, I'm going to send this one your way. Uh, tell me, what's your favorite Eric Johnson memory in a Colorado Avalanche sweater? And elaborate as to why. Man, yeah, tomorrow night is going to be an emotional night at Ball Arena. I can I can already kind of he hear it, uh, whether I'm in the building or not, right? That's, that's yet to be decided yet. I'm figuring <laughs> out if I want to go or not. But anyway, besides that, to actually answer the question, uh, I mean, the easy answer is is winning the Stanley Cup, so I'm not actually going to take that. Uh, I'm actually going to take his overtime winner against the Winnipeg Jets in, I believe it was 2018 or 2019, one of the two. Like it was it. like the last game of the regular season when they clinched a playoff spot then. He was in on a breakaway, went over Hellebuck, and had like this huge celebration, hands up in the air. And I think still to this day that is used in Avalanche promotional videos. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was a pretty big moment. And while it wasn't the, the biggest moment and the easiest moment for this answer, uh, it it's it's a good one that, that's going to be imprinted in a lot of Avalanche fans' minds, I had to imagine. Yeah, that's the one where he, he like came around the corner after scoring with his arms wide open with that mm -hmm. look on his face. Like even he was surprised uh, that he was – able to pull it off and, and that's that's kind of my thing with ej is he was always the first to seem incredibly joyous that includes when they won the stanley cup um and i i for one was am a big fan of eric johnson currently um and i kind of will always be but uh ezra i want to send this one your way um uh, we saw and, and evan you mentioned this a little bit about the cup but we saw ej go straight um or excuse me mckinnon go straight to ej when they won the cup and, and the gloves were flying in the air um, at the time, EJ was the longest tenured Colorado sports figure. In your mind, where does EJ rank among, we'll just keep it in the Avs realm, among the Avs greats? I'll answer the question now. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's not a good question to answer because he is, you know, he he was such a longstanding Av that I think he, you know, he belongs pretty high up there. But then you think about like where he ranks in terms of that cup team and it's, I don't know, four or five. And then you think right. about the other cup teams and they're, all going to be ahead of him so i i put I'd, I'd have a hard time fitting him into the top 10 i think but i want him there i want to fit him into yeah. the top 10. well and and i'll and i'll i'll send over the first question to you what's what's kind of your favorite memory of eric johnson uh i think uh, it's kind of 
in the 2016 season, he broke his leg. And the game when he came back, uh, finally, after, after all that, you could just tell how much he mattered to everybody on the team and, and how yeah. big of a deal it was that EJ was back. Whether that team was, you know, good, uh, it, it doesn't matter. But the, the <laughs> fact that he, he, he was such a lift for the guys, I mean, it just goes to show what kind of player he is uh, on and off the ice um, and what kind of person he is off the ice, obviously. Um, because on the ice, he's not a good person. He's a mean guy. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean he, he he's it's it it shows you <laughs> it shows you how valuable is he how lovable he is. And the thing that'll that I'll never forget about EJ is that broken tooth smile. You know, I, I love yeah. that. You get that every game. So, um, uh, yeah, that's 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 my big memory. But the, tooth, well, the smile is the big thing. It's funny that you mentioned the smile because as I was doing, uh, I'm working on an article about Eric Johnson ahead of tomorrow's game. And as I was sifting through the pictures, you know, I just put in the search bar, Colorado Avalanche, Eric Johnson smile. Um, and the ones that came up were all toothless. And the first one, which is the one I went with, you'll see tomorrow, is yeah. him on the podium with a bottle of champagne in his left hand. And he's grinning from ear to ear. And I swear he lost another tooth that day. Uh, <laughs> it feels like he has one less in his frame right there. But Jackie, what is your favorite eric johnson memory before i tell you mine and i want to see how you feel he's fitting into buffalo he's already played 400 minutes over there um in 28 games do you think the abs might uh might think twice in hindsight about letting him slip i would say no a lot of it has to do with the contract um you know if he could have been back for what jack johnson signed for you know that's a fair debate um mm -hmm. In some ways, they kind of needed to move on just because, I mean, he would be good in the room right now, and maybe some of their struggles could be attributed to that, kind mm -hmm. of missing a personality like him. But I feel like on ice, he kind of became a little bit of a crutch because you can't really scratch him. Like, it would have started to become difficult, right? Like, his play slipping, but... You know, how much respect do you have to give him and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was time to move on. I am happy that he's playing well. I, not that I see a lot of Buffalo games. They, they're not on national <laughs> TV much. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's been solid for them, and that's what they need. And um, I don't know. I think it, it kind of worked out for both parties. Uh, if I could run back the offseason, keeping Eric Johnson probably wouldn't be on my wish list. Um. But it is bittersweet for sure to have him yeah. gone. So uh, my memories, uh, of course, you know, the Stanley Cup and Landy passing it on to him was really cool. And But, I mean, those are going to be everybody's favorite memories. And also kind of what Evan touched on, the condoring. I think it was fun that he earned that nickname and that he embraced yeah. it. Like he'd even tweet with like the little condor emoji. And so that was fun. But um. I guess uh, I'll remember like the relationships he had, you know, I liked kind of the little bond he had with Sam Gerard. They were kind of a little bit of the odd couple, but um, you know, they sat next to each other in the locker room and, and it was always fun to see like uh, whenever we got glimpses of their relationships. So just stuff like that too, just kind of how, how much uh, EJ meant to all of his teammates. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that to me. Cause I, I, like I wrote in the in the script, you know, McKinnon going to him straight after they won. Uh, the interview he had that we kind of touched on last week, 
with uh, in post game after Matt Duchesne was traded and how basically the message there was, I want to play with guys that want to play with me. Um, it does come through pretty clear that a part of what Eric Johnson brings to the table doesn't just show up on the ice. It, it is in those relationships. It's, and that's big time when it comes to getting the whole team to buy in. Uh, when you have a character like Eric Johnson, who is so easily um, liked and, and so easy to rally behind, uh, that kind of starts to seep its way throughout the roster. Um, and I think him and McKinnon were a very, very good balance. And I think Matson has a little bit of that balance too in terms of like where McKinnon is very, very serious. I imagine Eric was a little bit, um, a little lighthearted in certain areas and, and kind of took the edge off in certain ways. Um, so I think for me, it's a twofold memory. I love what he had to say about the Matt Duchesne situation, but a weird one that will always stick out in Avalanche folk is his pass to Darren Helm against the St. Louis Blues in the second round. He's taking the puck up the ice. It feels just like he's going to take it in his zone, dump it in, and we're heading into overtime, but not so fast. Charlie sends it over, hits the boards, Helm right off the boards, slap shot into the net, and the Avalanche put the monkey off their back. So that's that's my memory, mostly because it just didn't feel like it was going to happen, and then it did. Um, but I do want to touch on something. Uh, Ezra, you mentioned, you know, like he's probably not top 10 because he's probably not top five in this Stanley Cup window of players. But does number six find its way into the rafters at Ball Arena? Uh, Evan, I'll send this one your way. Ooh, it's a tough question. You know, that's a real tough question. I I don't have his stats in front of me, so I'd have to look at those maybe a little bit closer before okay. I make a decision. I'm not sure because you you have the you have the you, you obviously they have the fan reminiscence and the fan love that right. that comes with him and and just who he was and spending you know a decade plus in Colorado and I think that that alone definitely could do that. I mean we mm-hmm. we saw that with Ray Bork and he was he was only an AV member for a year so. Right. I, I I don't know. That's a good question. Well, so EJ is 52 games shy of 1,000, so that's pretty cool. He might get there this season if he stays healthy. He's 10 goals away from 100 on his career, also cool. Um, he has one assist to get to 250. So he's in that time in his Dang. career where like he has all these benchmarks like right on the horizon. 339 points in his career. Um, let's see if we can find game-winning goals. 20 game winning goals, which is, oh, if wow. you ask me, that's that's very impressive for a guy who came into the league in 2007 and plays defense. Um, so, I mean, I'm with you. I, I do think that it's he's one of those guys that's like potentially you can throw him up there, but now we're talking about the rafters getting kind of crowded, especially if you include the people above him in that Stanley Cup class. Uh, Ezra, you, you mentioned a little bit he's not top five. Is this a short answer for you, Jack? Uh, Eric Johnson not going in the rafters of Ball Arena? Yeah, I, I mean, you got that right. I think that's it. It, it could be that short, but I, I do want to elaborate because I, I think you know he he is deserving of a lot of uh, accolades, and he and he should be remembered as as uh, a great Avalanche career player. You know, mm-hmm. um, a great Avalanche player in his career. But it is just like it's kind of like the Hall of fame versus hall of very good argument that right. we hear a lot in in hockey media and he definitely if it's a hall if it's a rafters of very good for He's sure put him up yeah. there but if it's like a true hall of fame rafters then unfortunately i mean 
when he was the Avs number one defender, the Avs were not very good. When he was the Avs number right. three through six, very good. But um, mm-hmm. you don't put your third best defender in the Raptors very often. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, that's Adam puts up there. So yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's kind of where it, that's kind of where I get a little bit confused because unlike the Hall of Fame. It really is kind of up to the franchise who they throw up there, and and, and the the uh, criterion for getting there is not very clear, or you know, there's not a line drawn in the sand as you look at Adam Foot. Uh, but Adam Foot was kind of like the heart and soul of the team for a certain oh. era, um, and I don't think that that was necessarily true about Eric Johnson. I think the big the biggest thing about his time and the success of the Avalanche around his time there was the team itself. Um, so I, I'm with you there. Uh, but as as it usually goes, Jackie, I have a feeling uh, Eric Johnson will or Tyson Jost will score tomorrow, which is your your pick. <laughs> well, didn't we already get the Jost goals? So yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> I know I'm feeling more like Tage Thompson's definitely going to score. I don't know. I think the curse of the X Av. Uh, I don't know. I, to be <laughs> honest, I'm not feeling either. But we'll see. But okay. I just to touch on the the number of retirement. Um, yeah. You know, um, if it were up to me, I'm not so much on like the Adam Foot train of like the reverence of him and everything. I think bringing him back was kind of a big mistake. Um, but I think the line in the sand there is that he was captain. I think that's like okay. the reason that everybody uses that it's appropriate. So <clears throat> if EJ had been captain at, at some point in, in this run, um, then I think you could definitely make the draw the parallels there. But um, I wish there was like a ring of fame. I think every yeah. franchise, especially one that's won several championships, I think they need to honor more players. And if you had a ring of fame, some way to sort of honor certain players, like I'd even put Paul Stastny in there. Cause I think it's sort of similar and maybe we don't look back on him just cause he's been gone a while, but I mean, he was really important when he was here for all those years. Agreed. I mean, so, two, two, two really, really important goals in the history of the Avalanche. <laughs> so, for Paul um, so, yeah, like he's, uh, and of course, EJ, because he won the cup and everything with them and and all that. But like I said, I see them sort of similar and I wish there was sort of a way to honor them. But no, I think you've definitely got to keep the Raptors pretty sacred. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to have, uh, you know, three, four numbers going up there for sure. And, um, you know, you, you do have to draw the line somewhere. And for me, it doesn't quite make it. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, and I don't want to get get too far into this topic, although it might be a good one to get into later on in life, maybe in the offseason. Um, but who is who is going in the rafters? Obviously, McKinnon, McKinnon Rantanen, Makar, Lekkonen? No, maybe? no. No, I'd say okay. Landeskog for the captain Landeskog. Mm-hmm. So those four no, probably. Yeah, those I, four. Anyone yeah. outside of that, uh, yeah, they probably need to win another cup. Okay, you, you know what? Screw it, more. screw it. Curtis McDermott, Hall of <laughs> Hall of Fame, <laughs> Rafters. Now, <laughs> all of it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, he'd have to play the playoffs Nachushkin, yeah. Ezra, that's not that's not a, especially. Uh, I, I think you're right, Jackie. It all depends on if they get another one. Like if they get another one, and then there's a few more guys I think get up there. Nachushkin yeah, is a good one, Ezra. I agree. Um, but what would he have to do? I don't know. He like he's definitely been very important to their success, no doubt. But you that's know, a good question because like what could what he do, do have- that Paul Stastny didn't? 
in terms of well, like game winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. That's true. Uh, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like the folklore of the Avalanche, I mean Nas is a component to a really good team. Paul Stasny is like Paul Stasny. <laughs> if Kadri had re-signed here long term, I could see an argument for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, agree. He just didn't. I mean, I know. Uh, I can see the argument for Nachushkin, but I just feel like you know he's he's gonna have to he's gonna need some records or something, and he's just not gonna be quite there with the prediction. Like what what in particular? You can't just say like this guy was really instrumental to our forecheck, and therefore he's in the Raptors. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I mean, yeah. I think for me, it's like he he could have been in he should have been in the Smythe conversation for the last cup. And I expect if they win again, he will need to be as oh, again. And if he pulls a con Smythe or something, then guaranteed. But uh, if not, yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, well, we won't know if McKinnon's going into the rafters until 2031. So we're we're way ahead of schedule right now in terms of talking about this. Well, yeah, hopefully he but, makes it to 2031. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Too. Well, and you definitely because there's a no-move clause for all of those eight years in his contract. So... Hopefully yeah. he he's like the LeBron James of hockey and just keeps rolling. Uh, but let's move on to our next topic, which is kind of a touchy one, maybe if you think so. We'll we'll see how you folks feel. Um, but Miko Rantanen had some comments and was pretty animated after the game. Uh, we saw the interview come from a few different sources, DNVR altitude themselves. Uh, but basically, uh, Rantanen called out Lekkonen's dad post game because Lekkonen had been quoted in an article recently saying that Rantanen wasn't quite putting in the time uh, that he typically does in the summer. And that's the reason why he's struggling. Evan, I'll send this one your way to start. What are your thoughts initially on that? Yeah. When I, when I heard those comments uh, last night, when I was writing the, the a recap, I was just like, huh? It kind of yeah, caught me right. off guard. Uh, and I was, and I, of course, then, you know, I went and, and looked at it and saw Evan Rowell had, had written about it already. Um, DNVR, of course, um, the athletic wrote, Peter Ball wrote about it this morning. And I, I was kind of stunned by that a little bit. Um, and I think it's more so because Miko Rainin is still really freaking good. Like, <laughs> sure. He hadn't scored in 10 games, but he still is producing over a point a game. It's not like he's sitting on the bench doing absolutely nothing, right? It's not like right. he's playing only two minutes a night. He's still out there producing, and while maybe he did fall below the levels that we expect him, or not expected, but want him to be at um, as as Avs fans, I I do think that the pushback by Arturi Lekkonen's dad, I think Ismo is his name, Ismo Lekkonen, and he, I mean, mm-hmm. he's part of the media out there in, in Finland too. Um, yeah is i i don't know it might it might have been one of those clickbaity things that he's well, trying to he's trying to get the attention you know yeah well and miko called it quote unquote lies um and i i i find that interesting because he was also asked after and i know peter ball kind of elaborated on this you know he said me and art are fine which is what he calls artory lekkonen he said we're fine it did have like a light-hearted tone to it from my standpoint like obviously he seems serious but it kind of felt like you know like talking shit to your brother not like not like he had any visceral comments he just said that those are lies um and this is what you get for lying about me um i think miko's kind of fortunate in that he had a very good second half of the third period 
because it might not have felt like lies otherwise. Uh, but Ezra, what are your thoughts on those comments? And does this feel like anything the Avs should be like concerned about inside the room? Concerned about inside the room? No, they should yeah. be concerned about Miko needing this kind of motivation to get going. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and, and look, I, I'm glad he's off the the Schneid. Uh, uh, got back on the score sheet. I, I and I don't really think he's been playing that poorly through this stretch. Uh, the last few games, the week before was a little rough, but this yeah. these last couple games, I, I felt like he he had his game back. It just wasn't going. Agreed. Uh, but I don't love hearing that it takes. Uh, uh, an interview in another country to to get his uh, his juices flowing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I agree with you there. With yeah. And Arturi Lekkinen, I, I don't think it was, they have to worry about that. Does Rantanen only read articles in Finn? Because if he reads some of the ones that the people here in Colorado write, he'd have plenty of material to be pissed off about. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, so. he should be mad at me for my grades. <laughs> <life. laughs> I mean, I'll send him direct messages every night if it gets him to score four points if that's all it takes and let's get it rolling um but jackie i'll have you touch on the miko com comments and then i'll also i want to see what you think of alexander gorgiev's performance um and if you're at all concerned with him um as far as miko well he had a pretty good game not on the score sheet but like he was pretty i guess you could say motivated in the previous game as well yeah yeah, I think he had what at least six shots on goal or something, and just three or four hit the score. post. Yeah, so it it's kind of a coincidence to say like, oh, this comment came out, and and then he finally gave a crap. It's like I don't know, a little bit of a coincidence there for me, but yeah, no, he was definitely angry. If you see those videos, he was not joking. <laughs> He's yeah, in, and not being like a little bit sarcastic banter or whatever. Like, no, he was angry. I've never <laughs> seen him that angry. Like. In a way, it's kind of refreshing that somebody's just finally honest because we see so much in the hockey media, just all the cliches and everything. And um, and I read the original Finnish article because usually when something like this comes up, I hate hearing paraphrasing, right? Oh, I want to translation, right? see the source. So yeah. I found the article myself. Uh, obviously, it's Google Translate. Not the greatest, but at least it was original article. And it was saying he was spending too much time in Helsinki and he was doing too many events. So it really was questioning his like work ethic and character. That's why he was so mad. It wasn't about like, you know, he hasn't scored or you're not playing well defensively or whatever. Like that is pretty personal. And so yeah. to go to that far to question the guys, like I said, work ethic and character, that's why he got so angry. So I, I think, <laughs> Miko can separate the teammate and the dad, especially since the dad is a media personality on, in his own right. He he wasn't giving quotes as Arturi's father. He was giving quotes as media person. He smelled like it, right? So um, kind of what you're so talking I, about, Evan. Yeah. So I think that um, they can put it behind them, which the, the, that's the concern. You don't want to have any issues between him and Arturi, which. And I believe him when he says they're good friends. Like, I've seen somebody say, like, oh, is he serious about that? No, we could tell from before that they had a pretty good relationship. So um, I think they'll be fine. I just question if there's a dad's trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ismo Lekkonen is on the trip. Then I might be like, well, is that going to be a little awkward? But until yeah. then, probably not. So hopefully it's just buried and, you know, Miko had his say. 
and hopefully he can continue scoring goals because one bouncing off of the shaft of his stick isn't quite, you know, beast mode yet, but we'll get yeah. there. But, you know, those are the types of goals that do, like, seem to exactly. snap oh, for a sure. goal score off onto, like, an absolute burner. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case here for, for Ranton. And, and I, I will admit, like, there's definitely some fire in his comments, and he's definitely emotional and angry. I guess my my rebuttal to that is I've definitely been for real angry at my brother plenty of times, um, and <laughs> and uh, and I and I think like like you're right in that he was probably truly offended, but I don't think that he um, is is taking this like to the heart so much. I will say that like that the the specifics of it, the whole Helsinki, you know, not spending enough time. I think it does have a lot to do with the fact that he's Finnish. Um, and there's a lot of pride among the Finnish players and how they sit within each other and in the league. Because even he mentioned we had a Finnish dad. He could have just said, Ismo called me out, and I didn't like it, and we would have known who we were talking about. But he said, you know, a Finnish dad of an NHL player said this and that, and it wasn't true. Um, But touching on a little bit of what I kind of sort of tried to send your way, but I always do this. I always always send you three questions (laughs) at once, Jackie. I'm sorry. But – I was kind of kind of felt like Alexander Gorgiev has had a rough go of it as of late. And that third, or I think it was the third goal in particular against the Calgary Flames, he just did not look like a confident goalkeeper. Um, are you concerned about Alexander Gorgiev, Jackie? Uh, remind me real quick what the third one was. That was Which the one, one was where that? Coleman came in um, with a forehand and just kind of snapped one on, and it just sort of beat uh Gorgiev underneath the arm above the block above the pad um in that place that you don't and it and he kind of like tightened up and he looked for it but he was nowhere close to where it was he kind of looked around afterwards like what the hell just happened it ticked off McCarr's stick but yeah it 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 did yeah it did kind of slightly um yeah get tipped there so you know exactly yeah that's the kind of goal you don't want to see get past him but it is true that you could see on the replay it did change okay direction i didn't see that bit. so that's so, fair so maybe you know maybe you would rather see at least some reaction because he knows the shot's coming but um so yeah i'm kind of 50 50 on that one but in okay. general it's tough because i don't think he's let he's getting beat like obviously or letting in like just horrible goals you know there's it's more goals than he should be letting in, but they're all sort of defensible. So th- yeah. this is kind of the problem is that it'd be easy to point and say if it was one or the other, if it was like, Oh no, the breakdowns are just awful. And it's not him at all. Or yeah, he's giving up bad goals and he needs to get better. It's just sort of like the culmination of all of it. And Benner kind of said it last night. Like it wasn't that it was a bad performance, but at some point you need a save. And mm-hmm. so that's sort of where we're at. Like giving up four or five is like too much, mm-hmm. but yeah, some of those breakdowns were awful. Some of the coverage was awful. You know, what, what can you do? And so, like I said, so that's where I'm at. It's high, kind of tough to say. I mean, what would you really rather see Prospetov like yeah. start? Like, I think he's earned his starts, but would you want to turn the reins over to him? No, I, I think that's a little extreme. Yeah. And I, that would do terrible things. I think to Gorgiev's confidence too. Yeah. If, if we decided to turn to a guy who wasn't even on the roster 
two months ago. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm with you there. I, I didn't even see the replay where the puck got tipped on the on the Coleman goal uh, by McCarr's stick. And and now that you mention it, that probably makes a little more sense as to where he was positionally and with his frame because he was probably tightening up to avoid rebound a rebound, um, and then the puck redirects around him, so to speak. Uh, but my my major concern because I wrote I wrote in the preview almost exactly what you said just in just now, but in different words, which is that it's been a combination of two things. I was big on Gorgiev coming into the season, thinking he could be a Vesna type goalie, but that had a lot to do with my confidence in the defensive group in front of him. And then on the backside of that being like, well, the nights that they don't have it, I think Gorgiev can make some unexpected saves. Those two things have kind of not been true. Um, and sometimes at the same time, which is when the avalanche have gotten into serious trouble, so I think if the Avs can get back to a tight checking game in front of Gorgiev, and like you mentioned, Gorgiev can just make some of those saves that you need, which I do think, in fairness, Prozvitov came in in the third and made a few of those saves that the Avalanche simply just needed in order to win the game. Um, Ezra, what are your thoughts on the Gorgiev situation? Um, obviously, we're not starting talking start Prozvitov yet, um, but how do you feel? Well, uh, I'll start with Prozvitov just because, uh, you know, he's the alternative. Um, yeah. uh, I, I wrote in the grades last week that I just, I felt like the goals he's giving up um, are not NHL goaltender quality goals to give up. And the mm -hmm. saves that he's, some of the saves that he's making are incredible. So yeah. he, he's like, he's like, he's got the talent to be amazing and just needs more time to cook in the AHL, I think. Okay. Because um, he just it's the goals that he gives up are positioning problems and puck tracking problems, uh, and those are things that you just learn over time. Rebound control is a big thing for for him too, um, so I would not turn over the reins to him by any means. But I, at the same time, uh, some of the goals last night for Yuryev were just he was in position and he was almost competitive on them, but he wasn't competitive on them. And mm -hmm. I, it's just an off night. I think I don't think that's something that. I expect to see from him all the time, but my the goal I had the problem with last night wasn't the third goal. It ticked off a stick. You you like him to be able to like be big enough in cutting off that angle to for that minor tick off right. a stick to not make a big difference. But I, it's a deflection. What are you gonna do? But the the first goal I felt like he didn't even really I don't know. It was like Kadri Kadri got a cross ice pass, but he had time to score up to Kadri and then he just whiffed on it. He didn't make the save. Yeah. And then the, the second goal was similar. It was yeah, it was a weird turnover, but um Manji uh Amanji got a pass out in the slot mm -hmm. and he had didn't have much time to get square to him, but he kind of did get square to him and then he just didn't make the save. Which yeah. both of those are really tough saves. I'm not saying that that's like those are routine or anything, but yeah, like Bednar said, you want to get Save sometimes. Yeah. The Kadri one, I, I I feel like that's the one that I'm like, you should have had that one. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of started, you know, started him on shaky footing for the whole uh, that he never really got off of for the whole game. The Connor Zary goal, the like the the smack in out of the air. I I don't know how much you fault him for not stopping that shot, but yeah. I don't love that that puck got Just there. Just you know? like, there, yeah. Yeah, he could have. He I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of could haves with goaltending that are not fair, but, right. um, just watching the replay, I'm like, Oh, just stick your glove out. It's easier said than done. Obviously. Right. I, I, I've never been a goalie. I won't claim that that's something, <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, just uh, when there's a bunch of goals where you're like, okay, those aren't quite good, then yeah, you got to get pulled. And Prospetot was great. Uh, you yeah. know, didn't have to do too much, but what he had to do, he did. Yeah, he made all of the necessary saves, I think is the best way there to put it. There were two back-to-back rebound uh, pad saves that I was like, okay, yeah, he's yeah at the very uh, end. Well, and it's it's funny you mentioned the Maggiapani goal against Gorkiev because later on in the third, Maggiapani got another incredible chance in the slot that he one time had to be at least an eighty mile an hour wrist shot that tried to go five hole, and mm-hmm. Prosvetov stopped it. And he, you could tell he was like, oh god, did I yeah. actually stop this one? He looked behind <laughs> him a little bit, uh, but he yeah, had it he in there like- between the between the wickets. So I think he was good, um, and you know. The, the major concern is you're not going to win a lot of games giving up five goals. No. Um, and and that's something that has to change both defensively and between the pipes. Uh, and speaking of change, Evan, what in the world happened midway through, or I guess kind of just into the third period, we heard word from McKinnon that they felt like they were outplaying Calgary despite being down uh, five to three. But what changed for you in that third period that led to Colorado's comeback? You know, I think I think there's a couple of things. Is that is Prosotov coming in and in in relief and doing you know a solid job. I think he did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think too the right before the fourth goal of the game was there was the penalty kill that they had. Um, I forget who went off at this point, um, but the Avs killed off a penalty. Didn't really give Calgary too much to look at there, and I think that that kind of will willed everybody up at least a little bit to an extent um and just the continual kind of kind of dirty work um is really what gets them going and yeah i think back now to that fourth goal that Col- colton scored that goal off of like a doinky rebound and like yeah, hit like six people yeah. and just landed right in front of him mm-hmm. but that's yeah. where you need to be right you need to be at the front of the net you need to be able to take take your chances right get pucks to the net and and do that the abs have not very done a very good job of that recently they they like to of course to play their style of get the perfect perfect shot perfect pass um look pretty with it um but the third line that was back to what we've seen it before with miles wood and and ross colton and logan o'connor they are they are the ones that that got that that fourth the goal o- and and did you call that ezra night. the o colton wood line logan o colton wood that's it uh it, like that third line was arguably the best line of the game. I or sorry, I should say Ross Colton more in particular because the stars were the stars and they actually yeah. showed up. So that was nice to see too. But I think more importantly too, doing that dirty work in the middle six, the bottom six, um, also really helped you know push the stars to eventually go on Miko right into to get down low himself and get the goal in, and then of course McKinnon's beautiful breakaway goal to finish it off. Yeah, Jackie, what did you see on that breakaway goal for McKinnon? Um, in terms of, like, how does a how do the how do they, um, on the fly conceptualize such a passing play? Is it is that something you practice in terms of like playing it up the wall like that and then chipping it out? Because we saw McKinnon almost break out on a very similar play just a couple minutes before that. Is that like a set play for the Avalanche? You think? Yeah, I think it's definitely in the arsenal. They well. They do a lot of the tips in the neutral zone just to get the puck in deep. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's something they do that's not just for, like, that big home run play. It's just part of their – like, you get the puck out of the zone, the guy in the neutral zone moves it forward. Now, if someone's coming up the ice and on a great look like that, then it's like, you know, it goes right to him. I remember 
in uh i think it was the tampa game because i was there it was miko had a great pass in the neutral zone like that was i forget who it was to maybe it was to johansson because that's the game that he actually scored goals in so um i think it was a very similar play to that um so they've done it a few times so i just think like the guy in the neutral zone can just tip it to get it deep but hey if there's a play to me maybe let's make the play and so yeah i think it's a very typical kind of abs play i would say yeah I say I, I say that it's a set play because I can't think of another reason why Nachushkin would just kind of be hanging out over there along the end boards on the blue line, close to the blue line, other than to just be used as a pillar for it for a chip pass. Um, and so like he's going there, and I think I mentioned you know it almost worked about a minute before that with the same exact players on the ice. They're probably like this is just on the cusp of working. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep trying. Let's keep trying it. And finally. Um, it panned out. So I guess practice does make perfect. So, you know, it was probably top 10 passing play goals so far this season for the Avalanche, which, you know, Evan, you mentioned the Avs like to play flashy, put on some really pretty goals from time to time. Um, that was definitely one of them. So it's nice to see them working that back into their game. Hopefully we get to see the Avalanche do that again as we venture further on into the season starting with the Sabres tomorrow. Let's do a little bit of a preview of that. Uh, Evan, who and what are you keying on heading into the Avalanche game against the Sabres? Uh, I think I'll focus on the on the what here. Okay. Um, and that is, still. I, I think I said it last week too, is putting together a full 60 minutes. Because <laughs> we still have not seen that in, I don't know, at least a month yeah. or around then. I don't know. Uh and it was nice to to have a comeback win, but hearts were in throats a whole lot on <laughs> yeah. Monday night. Um, and I think a lot of Avs fans would be uh, thankful to not have to deal with that um, coming into the holiday season. So if they can put together a full 60 minutes, not 20 like we saw last night, not yeah. 40, full 60, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because last night before the game, I tweeted from the Mile High Hockey account as kind of more a wish to the sky and the hockey gods. The Avalanche will not get scored on in the final two minutes of any period tonight. Well, that was <laughs> not true. And somebody, somebody said to me, this is pretty much a jinx. And I said, can it really be a jinx if it's like the rule, if it happens all the time? I was trying to reverse jinx that thing, but it didn't work out that way. And I'm with you. The full 60 minutes is a huge thing. Um, for the Avalanche this season. I'm waiting for them to get a victory um, where it's like I can actually go to sleep with a period left and know that the Avalanche, when I wake up in the morning, will have either added to their lead or at least maintained it. Uh, that does not feel like the case so far this season, uh, maybe a few times, but a few times. Um, Ezra, is that a bit a part of your uh, keys to victory against the Sabres? And, uh, you know, what else might you be keying on in that game? Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's that's a major focus. I think we talked about it on last week's podcast, too. Like, those two things are crucial. Come play the whole game, and especially the last minute of every period. But uh, I think what I'm keying on is uh, containing the Sabres attack. I mean, I know we know Tage Thompson can be dangerous, and we know last time the Sabres and Avs matched up, it ended up a little bit lopsided in Buffalo's favor. So mm -hmm. I just I just want to see a stronger defensive effort. I 
as much as we talked about Georgiev just now giving up some goals that maybe we didn't love him giving up, ultimately they were all off of turnovers. And uh, all the ones that we talked about specifically were off of turnovers. Uh, and I think we just have to avoid those kinds of mental breakdowns, uh, make sure pucks are getting cleanly out at the blue line, cleanly in at the other blue line, and go from there. Because there's a lot of weird turnover play at both blue lines right now. That's so, okay, I said containing their offense, but really what I meant by that was manage <laughs> the blue line. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you started with holding them down, and then it turned into just figure it out back there. But, hey, I, I'm with <laughs> I, I, I understand totally. What, that's kind well, of like, Okay, let, let me defend myself. What I mean is, uh, in order to contain their offense, we have to manage the puck better. <laughs> I love it. Well, because you you don't want to give them more opportunities than yeah. they'll create for themselves for the start. I'm with, I'm right there with you, buddy. I also um, kind of just said like all the things people say on broadcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like if I send that clip to altitude, you might have a job next week. Oh my goodness, that was great. You sounded like Kyle Riker, Give me the job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> side um, note. Side note. I was at the the abs and flyers game on Saturday. And there was a guy in an abs Jersey and a gritty like helmet. And he had a poster that said abs jobs, question mark. I have a job question mark. So we just got to get you in that Ezra. There you go. That's awesome. I'm wearing my best gritty right now. I was going to say, you got your gritty beard going dog. Um, But I'm with you there. Like the abs just have to do a, a better job of managing the puck. And that does affect both sides of the, of the game defensively and offensively obviously you maintain possession offensively and you don't give a talented team uh talented opposition more opportunities than they earn themselves uh jackie i want to hear what you think of that and then i also as i classically give you two questions at once tell me what the abs have to do in their back-to-back scenario to set themselves up for success um i think the answer is probably similar in both cases um I'm a broken record about the power play, but like getting one does not mean it's fixed. So we definitely need to keep continue working on the power play and like Kale scored a really nice goal there. And he was also given the space to really walk into it. So that's not going to happen all that often. I liked when there was a mix of the first and the second units and they actually got down low and attacked and it was just chaos. And that's what they need to do so much more. Like, I hate when they're, like, on a regroup and it looks like somebody maybe can get in the zone with some numbers, and then they just stop and wait for everybody to show up. It's like, this is the NHL. You don't give goaltenders and defensemen time to set up shop. Like, you have to, if you have an open look at all, you have to attack. So I'd like to see that. Um, As far as, like, limiting the turnovers, I think they're getting burned a lot on the high-low play. And I know that's a very signature part of their offense. But other teams watch tape, too. Mm-hmm. And they continuously are getting picked off up high. And it's like, it's almost like a high-risk, low-reward. Because it's hard to score from up there. And yet, they're getting challenged and getting picked off. And then they're giving up breakaways. And high-danger chances of going the other way. So it's kind of like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not working right now. I'd like to see them focus on a little bit more down-low play. That's where they scored several of their goals last night. I think that is going to be 
you know, maybe they keep better key to their success right now. So I'd like to see a little bit more tweaks in their offense, but we'll see. But as far as this weekend, I think it's going to be a really important back-to-back because one, uh, going to Winnipeg, very close in the standings. Yep. So that's kind of like there's no must wins in December, but you'd really like to see a win there. If nothing else happens this week, I'd really like to see a win there because they lost to Winnipeg, whatever it was last week. They need to not lose that season series to them, especially if you care about things like winning the division. Right. So let's get in there and get a win. And then as I talked last week about the brutal back-to-back, it's just so stupid to fly back from Canada just to go home and play a home game. And yeah, that, Sharks game could be brutal as far as like engagement, mental yeah. outlook, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> like it might not be pretty. So I'd also like to see them just grind out a win there. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, if they beat Winnipeg, it kind of is what it is. So we'll see. Well, that's kind of my approach, and that's why I framed the question this way because it's like beating Winnipeg, um, just beating Winnipeg if you are about winning both games might not be enough because if you just beat Winnipeg and it goes say to overtime or it's, it's a really tight contest for three periods, something that's like a very physical affair, which it's likely to be given it's a division game um, that San Jose game sets up exactly like the definition of a trap game. So if you take care of business against the jets, um, you can go, you can come home and play San Jose you can get some of the younger guys up from Vale to get a little bit more ice time, kind of take the edge off. But if you lose to Winnipeg, then that San Jose game at home feels a little bit more important. Obviously not in the context of like where it sits with the division and everything. But once again, we've talked about the Avalanche making it a point to not lose back-to-back games. You definitely don't want to lose back-to-back games with a loss to the bottom-feeding San Jose Sharks um, into that. But Evan, tell me, like, is there anything the Avalanche can take from their loss to Winnipeg and and kind of implement knowledge-wise so that they're a little bit more set up than they were on my birthday when they got smoked? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so, so sorry that your birthday got spoiled. <laughs> it's okay. On behalf of the Avalanche organization, no. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know how much they are going to be able to take away from it. Um, I think – mostly just because um, the Avs weren't necessarily bad in that game. Um, Just like they haven't necessarily been bad in many of these games recently. That's just kind of been at a 60-70% kind of pace that they've been at the last little while. So I, I, you know, I would hope that they would look at some film uh, and try to find something to take away from it. But at least off the top of my head, every game is different. You know, it, it's it's not going to be the same played out kind of thing on a night to night basis. Um, with that being said, though, I do agree with you that the game will probably look pretty similar, tight, tight knit um, division rivalry. Of course, there's a lot into it. Um, so I think it kind of just tones back to to what I said earlier about playing a full sixty minutes and yeah. and putting in the effort. At least if if they put in the effort, they should at least get a point out of mm-hmm. out of that game and. Honestly, I'm fine with that. If they if they get a point, 
Now, if they get a point after blowing a 4-1 lead, maybe not so much. But <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I, I think when you say they didn't play too bad, you're correct, I think, overall. But there were a few particular moments inside that game, a la Devon Taves goof at the very end of, I think, the second or first period. Uh, where he had like three or four safe plays that he could have made and instead he tried to force a pass uh, up the boards. Ezra, what are your thoughts? Is there anything that you think the Avs can take from their loss to Winnipeg and implement? Well, I mean, I think it kind of goes to what we've already been talking about where it is, it is, you know, be smart that last minute of the game, be safe at your blue line, be smart at the other blue line. Um, I, I don't know that there's anything more specific than just, Generally, like the the plays that need to be made need to be made. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a better answer than that. Sorry. <laughs> I think. I think too. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, if you don't have anything to say, then then don't say it. This isn't altitude. Uh, but if if you, if you really look at the, <laughs> if you really look at the situation with the Winnipeg Jets, at the end of the day, does it feel like they're a better team? than the Colorado Avalanche, um, I don't know. I think stylistically they pose a good threat and they're a tough out, but I think the Avalanche on on a, a, a whole basis are a better team. And I think the Jets actually just lost Kyle Connor for six to eight weeks as well. So I yeah. think that he, that will play a, a role in, in, this, in the future for the Jets, obviously. Six to eight weeks is a long time kind of in the NHL. So, you know, that's going to – we'll see how that affects them scoring-wise. I think if the key for me um, for this Avalanche team is is getting ahead. Um, and if you can play with the lead, I think that bodes well um, for, for the Avalanche stylistically. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. I don't want the Avalanche to be playing from behind. If they can get ahead, I think that they have a chance in any, any game. But speaking of having a chance in any game – that's what we do with our bold predictions. They all have a chance, but they are all wildly outrageous guesses. And as such, let's recap last week and let's do it quickly because, you know, why spend time on a bunch of wrong answers? Jackie, your bold <laughs> prediction was Miko would have a hat trick before our next show. He didn't have a hat trick, but he had lots At of At least points. he scored yeah. a goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to have to buzzer you. I hate doing that, but uh, Ezra Bold's Ezra's bold prediction last week was that Sam Malinsky would outscore Devon Taves. Did that happen? I don't think that that happened. I I think it might have. I think it might be two to it one. It might have. It might have. It might have been. I'm trying to find. Let's go right look. Um, Are we uncovering? Because I know they thing? both got an assist on the same goal. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think Taves scored uh, much this week. Goal so. Tag. so what and date then, okay, was, that was our last episode? The Flyers sixth. game. Our last Taves show got an assist Wednesday, in the Flyers it? game. And then Malinsky. Yeah. It, it was before so, the Jets game. So Malinsky's had two points since Winnipeg. M- Malinsky got Winnipeg. one. And so has Taves. It's two to two. Two to mm. two. Wow. Oh. That was real good. Honestly, though, like, like Sam Malinsky and Devon Taves, who should have more points in a week? It should be Devon Taves. So I'm going to give you that one. Like that's, that's, if I could half ding it, I would half ding it, but I think you get a full ding there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my bold prediction that I'm, was that. 
Matt Dinger, that's what I get, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Adam. That's your new nickname. Uh, <laughs> my bold prediction was that somebody would have a Gordy Howe hat trick. That didn't happen. We have a bunch of softies on our team. And nobody even fought last week. I'm pretty mad about it. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't actually care. But Louis, Louis, <laughs> you said, um, and funny enough, when I wrote this on Twitter the first time, all I said was, Sam Alinsky will have his first NHL this week. So I didn't quite read the tweet before I <laughs> sent it out. Evan quickly caught it. But you had that he would have his first goal he didn't, but he played pretty he was, well, I would he say. He was close. Yeah. He was close. Um, so that, that's I, a, that would have made a difference in both mine and, and Ezra's. Exactly. One and goal would have, would have been two dings. And we been, hey, but you know what? There. We were 0 for 4 this week, but it happens. We have the best thing, though, is that we have one of these every week, and every week we get another chance. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. All right, Mr. Managing Editor, Mr. Bold Predictor, Evan, what is your bold prediction this week? And I will read it before I send it. (laughs) Yeah, I've been waiting to say this one uh, because December always seems to be a streaky month for the Avalanche. They love to go for the last few seasons now, usually on a windless streak. It's happened already a couple of times this month where they've gone a game or two without a win. Um, and then last night they pulled it out of victory, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's only going to help them. The next three games, they go undefeated, including that back-to-back. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident about that back-to-back in particular. If they beat Winnipeg, that's huge. And I think they should beat San Jose the night afterwards, despite the travels. Nice. I love it. As will go 3-0. and in their next three games, Mr. Evan. All right, you know what I'm here for? That's six points, baby. That's six points, um, and we're just about a quarter of the, or just past a quarter of the way through the season, so we're running out of opportunities to score points, not quickly, but it's happening before our eyes. Um, I like that one, Evan. I, I think you're right. If they beat Winnipeg, um, hopefully they have enough legs within them to uh, knock off the San Jose Sharks as well, who seem to be kind of in that limbo spot where they've got some talented guys that they might need to offhand. Uh, just a little hint there, but Ezra, what is your bold prediction? Yeah, I like the the three wins. I, I agree with that. I think I'm going to say, yeah, that, 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 that happens. I agree. And then I think uh, Miko Rantanen leads the team in scoring the week for the week. Miko Rantanen. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, both. And do you think it's because he's so pissed off still? Angry Moose is wild. Angry, yeah. Angry Moose is on a rampage. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, we saw Miko being mean, and we saw McKinnon being funny in the post game. So that bodes really well for the Avalanche going forward because anytime we can get McKinnon to not think about the upcoming plate of celery, we should be stoked. Uh, he was hilarious <laughs> with Peter Ball last night. Peter asked him, what did you see on that breakaway? And he said, low blocker. What did you think I see, Pete? I'm not that bad. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I can't see from the press box. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Ezra, your bold prediction is that Miko Rantanen will lead the avalanche in points scored this week. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. He's got a little bit of a fire lit underneath him. Jackie, what's your bold prediction this week? Okay, well, I'm going to say that 
I still haven't gotten my hat trick. I'm disappointed, but <laughs> we can't all we can't always predict scoring. So I'm gonna go take it a little the other direction. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like, and I, I will kind of hate to be right, but as good as he's played, and as much as we liked him, I think Malinsky's going back to the Eagles before Christmas. Okay, Sam Malinsky he was pretty bad last night. Yeah, that's well, definitely analytic. Yeah, he yeah. saw the it in the analytics. The analytics for him have been brutal. I I like what I'm seeing eye test wise, but the analytics have been brutal. Yeah, the reason for that. He's promising for sure, but I think, I think when people are seeing him playing over Jones, kind of feel like like he won that battle, and I just they can't keep scratching Jones. Like I think it's obvious because yeah. they they don't want to wave Jones, which I think is the right call. I I wouldn't want to try it either. They yeah. can't really afford to lose him if somebody takes him. So yeah. I think that they kind of did this to give Malinsky a look to see his third pair viability and i think he's shown he is viable there but yeah i I think he does have a little bit of things to work on and plus the roster freeze and everything they're not going to want to scratch jones forever and he's just going to get caught in the you know the the rules yeah like it just trying to balance the roster and not give up something you don't have to that totally makes sense to me plus I honestly, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Jones, um, in terms of this specific season, is probably going to be the one they utilize more. Obviously, over the long run, you want to see Malinsky be a part of this franchise into the future. Uh, but I think like this season in particular, Caleb Jones will suffice at that six and seven D um, going forward. So I'm with you there. My bold prediction is going to kind of go along Jackie's keys to victory. And I'm going to say that the Avalanche find those keys where they left them still in the lock, like I always do. (laughs) And they will have, let's see, how do I want to put this? I'll just say that the Avs will have at least four successful power plays this week. That's pretty high. So you you just mean score four power play goals, I guess? Yeah. See, that's why I said, how do I want to put this? I should have asked. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any other way to have a successful power play? I'm just that's true. That's true. Hey, they're they are called bold predictions for a reason, folks. <laughs> Jackie, can you just follow me around at work and like I whisper in your ear what I want to say, and then you'd be like, "This is how you want to say that, Adrian." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But hey, I mean, like... I mean, if you're leaving yourself like a little loophole here, I mean, yeah, that yeah. work too. You just and you're a lawyer. Dang, how'd you figure me out that fast? <laughs> So Abs will score four power play goals between now and our next episode. Like there's another little loophole um, that I can <laughs> throw in. Uh, okay. I like it too. I would love to see four power play goals. Oh, absolutely. The reason I say that is because something's got to flip and give. I just feel like the Abs power play is just way too talented to be having these sort of issues. I don't know if it's like something strategically that they need to address um in terms of their approach or if it's just been puck luck because it kind of feels like a pretty hefty dose of both um so i hope the avalanche can figure that out and so you all like we we sometimes say this is a a bold hope as well as a bold (laughs) prediction so well i think that does it for us here at the mile high hockey lab we've gotten our bold predictions out of the way we made sure that everyone knows that miko rantanen is pissed off and that nathan mckinnon is funny 
and we rehash the Avalanche comeback victory over the Calgary Flames. Not to mention, we celebrated the very, very loved Eric Johnson, the Condor, who will make his return to Ball Arena tomorrow night. Be on the lookout on milehighhockey.com. I got a fun little article coming out about EJ. And we will preview the game as usual and have a live thread for everyone to follow. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your fellow Avalanche fans. These episodes are available the following day on Spotify. So head over there if you need something to listen to on your ride to Ball Arena. We love you, folks. From us to you at Mile High Hockey, Merry Christmas and have a good night. Welcome to, Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab.